What's going on, everybody? Hardest part of the ring here. Back at you again with another Apron Bump podcast. Hope everybody's having a great holiday season. Getting ready for Christmas. I guess I haven't been on here since Thanksgiving time. Hopefully everybody had a, a smashing Thanksgiving. Just overstuffed yourself like I did. I hope so. Speaking of overstuffed. Man, did I... I think I picked the worst time to start a wrestling podcast, man. Did you guys know that there's, like, a lot of wrestling now? Like, a lot of it. It is It is hard. It is hard to keep up with it. To have, to have a job, to have a social life, to, you know, play video games, masturbate, you know, do all the things you love to do. And keep up with all even just like wwe and AEW, just the main ones like keeping up with that it's tough i mean i mean i enjoy wrestling obviously you know so i don't mind it but (laughs) i don't know i'm kind of kidding but kind of not but you know it's all good because while there's a lot of wrestling out there that means there's a lot of good wrestling out there and it's been a <clears throat> December is always kind of like a weird time, you know, especially in WWE. But now it kind of has we're seeing with AEW, kind of a leaner year, kind of an off season. Not an off season, but like nothing, nothing groundbreaking's ever gonna happen. You know what I mean? A few before we kind of dive into the, the past week of wrestling, had some news, some outside news. Uh, John Morrison appeared on the bump. The, uh, the past two weeks, actually, that uh, that morning show on the WWE Network with Kayla Braxton and other guests that they have on there. Which, by the way, I haven't been watching The Bump, but, I mean, that show looks pretty... I kind of like the, the feel of that show. It kind of has, like, the, the same tone as Backstage or, or Corey Graves' podcast, where it's... This, this, this really shows, you know, why WWE's been so successful over the years is their ability to adapt and to adapt with the times we have you know you know all these the dirt sheets we have social media we have you know the backstage you know sources giving me the scoop on all this all this stuff and wwe's kind of gotten ahead of that with their shows that break the fourth wall a little bit they're kind of outside of the the kayfabe universe of WWE, they kind of toe the line of you know scripted, unscripted. I don't know. I think I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, they had him on two weeks ago, I believe, where that was his first appearance, kind of confirming that he is indeed coming back to WWE. Because we've heard through dirt sheets and other other online sources, quote unquote, that he's coming back to WWE, that he resigned. But that's a thing that we've we hear that all the time, right? Oh, so and so's in talks with Vince so and so is in talks for a WWE return or a WWE debut and a lot of times it never really pans out to anything but in this case obviously it did you know so yeah Morrison first he came on the bump pretty much just to say hey I'm coming back I have unfinished business whatever whatever Uh, and then last week on the bump was very interesting because he was actually an in-studio guest and they had uh, asking them different questions. Obviously, it's an interview interview show, so they do what they do there. But uh, my favorite part, personally, was when they brought the Miz in. You know, I guess he like skyped in or whatever. So we had a, a little interaction between Miz and Morrison, which is cool. I think that's like the first thing everybody thinks of. You know, when it was kind of first discussed that Morrison was coming back, you see everyone on social media talking about, oh man. Are we going to get a, a Miz and Morrison reunion? Are we going to get the return of the dirt sheet? Are we going to are we, are we going to have them feud again to kind of continue what they did when Morrison first left? So, I don't know. It's a, there's a lot of intriguing possibilities with that. If it, but we don't even know, honestly, if they're going to be on the same brand. You know, they very well could bring Morrison to NXT or to Raw or, or whatever. Which actually, I mean, considering they had their little their little back and forth on the bump that's almost says to me like okay we're gonna give you these two you know you had you had your little Miz and Morrison reunion moment but now we're gonna we're gonna resume business as usual uh personally I feel like they might 
they might throw Morrison on NXT. But um, no real reasoning behind it. I think it's just something he's never done. It'd be something new for him. Um, I'm sure personally he would love it. There's a lot of guys there that I'm sure he'd love to step in the ring with. Um, and honestly, I think he'd get lost in the shuffle on Raw or on SmackDown even. I mean, we'll get more into it later, but Raw is just a lot of mindless matches. A lot, a lot of people getting lost in the shuffle already, as I can see. Or not even getting lost in the shuffle per se, but just not a lot of a lot of momentum being gained by anybody on Raw. So I would love to see Morrison on NXT, even though really, I mean, personally, I've always been kind of indifferent on John Morrison. I mean, he had he had a he has a pretty decent run. Um, I loved his matches with Ray, his matches with Jeff Hardy when when Morrison was in the main event scene on SmackDown. Like that whole era of SmackDown he was in was pretty good. But otherwise, I mean. You know, I watched Lucha Underground, and that, that's where he's, he made a, a pretty big ma- name for himself outside of the WWE once he left. And uh, at, at the point that I'm at, at least, because I'm around season three, mid-season three or so, and it's kind of like you kind of see the quality dip, and that kind of coincides with when Morrison's, or Johnny Mundo, as he's known there, is kind of like the main focal point of the show and i just don't know if he has the potential to carry a show but i think he's a solid guy to have you know in the in the middle somewhere or maybe challenge for the world title at certain points maybe have little have little kisses with the main event scene but i don't think he's like a guy a face of a company guy in my opinion but still it's cool to see him back but uh, we'll see um in other news there were a few hall of fame announcements as well which is pretty odd i mean it's it seems i feel like they never do it this early i think i feel like last year they might have done it around royal rumble time but this seems super early for hall of fame announcements i mean i guess it doesn't really matter but um but i guess i guess tickets go on sale today and i'm recording this on friday december 13th so i'm sure they probably wanted to make some hall of fame announcements to kind of see who's on the bill for the hall of fame ceremony so people can go ahead and get their tickets ahead of time but you know it is what it is so as far as the inductees go first we have batista which i am stoked about i always have loved batista i feel like he never really got his due when he was when he was really like the top guy in the company like you know late 2000s or so I think he's a super underrated in the ring. I think he has a great look. I think his character was always interesting to see. And, I mean, he's gone on to have, like, insane success. And in movies, more success than I think anybody ever, ever, ever thought that he would have. I mean, you just think of the matches he's had with Undertaker, Triple H, Randy Orton, John Cena. I mean, he's he's been in there with a who's who of people. And I don't think people even really know the magnitude of the impact that he had or the longevity that he had. So super happy for Big Dave. I think it is kind of weird. You know, you look at, you, you look at Evolution, right? It's weird that Batista is the second guy of that group to go in the Hall of Fame behind Ric Flair. And I know, you know, Randy Orton's still an active competitor, so they're not going to throw him in there yet. But I'm sure as soon as he retires, he'll get in there. And Triple H, I mean... Shit, man. I don't know if they'll ever put him in the Hall of Fame as long as he's heading things. I don't think he... Because you, you don't want to induct yourself, you know? You look like an asshole when you induct yourself into the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, I'm sure he will. Triple H in the next couple of years or so. Obviously. I mean, it's not even like a question. But, anyways. So, I guess it doesn't make... It's not that crazy that he's a, Batista's the second one of that group. But, um, either way. Happy for Batista. And who else... Who else is in the Hall of Fame but the NWO? So, and judging by the graphic that WWE posted, it'll be uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, and X-Pac, which is a very bizarre kind of... I'm surprised they threw X-Pac in there. One, because he already went in the Hall of Fame with DX. Two, because there's other guys from the NWO that were in there longer than X-Pac was. I mean, I think Big Show... I think he joined the NWO before X-Pac and was in there longer, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong there, but, but I mean, I'm sure with Big Show, they probably wouldn't throw him in there on his own. And I guess X-Pac isn't 
maybe in their eyes it doesn't have the merit to get in there by himself. So this is kind of a way to get him. I mean, he has two rings now, or he's going to once once they induct him. Just kind of crazy, but um, I mean, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the whole inducting a faction into the Hall of Fame. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I think it kind of, for one, it makes people two-time Hall of Famers, which is kind of fucking dumb. And two, I mean, what do you, you don't think? I mean, Scott Hall's already in there, right? As Razor Ramon. Does Kevin Nash not have the accolades of getting in there by himself? I mean, Hogan's in there already. X-Pac's in there already. Scott Hall's in there already. So you're just doing this to, as a half-assed way to get Kevin Nash in there. You don't even want to induct Diesel. Wait, is Diesel, Diesel's not in the Hall of Fame, is he? He might be. I could be wrong. I could be an asshole. Either way, I mean, I think it's honestly it's kind of dumb. Obviously, the, the, the group had a, a major impact on wrestling. But I don't think you need that do a hall of fame thing me and personally i don't know to say same thing with dx or with the the four horsemen like you don't you think rick flair you don't think arn anderson alone deserves to be in the hall of fame or totally blanchard or whoever you know it's just not my thing but at the end of the day the hall of fame is kind of dumb it kind of doesn't really matter anyways there's a there's a lot of problems with the hall of fame that I won't even get into. So I guess it really doesn't matter, but it's worth, it's worth talking about. It's worth, you know, but you know, Batista, the NWO congrats to them, I suppose. Um, what other news do we have? Not a lot. Um, we have TLC this Sunday. Um, we'll get into that, you know, as we go along, I might actually do a separate podcast for that. Uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes kind of a TLC preview predictions podcast, but we'll see, we'll see as we go along. Uh, with that, kind of get to dive into the shows this past week uh just finished i guess we'll, we'll start out with everybody's favorites you know nxt and aw wednesday night wars quote unquote i uh just finished watching both of them and both are pretty good shows nothing like i think nxt definitely i mean i think as far as in rate from bell to bell i think nxt just consistently blows aw out of the water personally those first couple weeks AEW had they had those those huge sellouts in, in DC they had a huge huge arena it was it was a big spectacle and then you know compared to NXT who's in full sale university very intimate setting I mean but that's by design that's all by design you know just because AEW has bigger arenas than NXT it doesn't necessarily make it the better show it's just what each show is designed to to, to go towards it's, it's the it's the atmosphere they're trying to create and there's nothing wrong with that if, if you want my take on which show is better this week personally i, I thought a i thought uh nxt was a bit of a better show but they're both they're both solid i mean just going right into nxt you start out with leo rush versus angel garza for the cruiserweight championship and these are especially angel garza man i think that dude like i, I feel like the past decade or so WWE has been looking for the next Eddie Guerrero or the next Rey Mysterio. I think Angel Garza is that next huge Latino star. I think he has he has everything, dude. He has that charisma. He has the the smile. He has the look, and he can do it in the ring, man. He's that dude's crazy in the ring. He, I mean, he kept up with Leo Rush. He was just like a like a superhero in there. He's just a little little guy. But he's super quick, super fast. Both these guys, super talented in the ring. And they had great, great chemistry. And what I like, because it wasn't just a great match, right? It was a great match, but they, they built up to it a little bit. It was you know, just a couple weeks of build up, But you could tell they were putting effort towards creating emotion in that match. With, uh, with Angel Garza going after, not, not going after Leo's family, but you know, he took his pants off, which is kind of... <laughs> kind of fucking hilarious that he had just ripped his pants off in front of leo's family so that was basically the the premise of the background of this match um it started off like very like dirty fighting which is it kind of creates like a like a realistic fight scenario which you don't see a lot it wasn't it, they got into the wrestling quote-unquote wrestling of it later in the match but I, I love them starting off with just just fists they kind of looked ugly and just because I mean, because I mean, there's a lot of guys that can do these flips and 
fancy maneuvers and chain wrestling and all that and that that's all great but what makes wrestling great is the conflict between two characters that the building of the characters the building of the storyline and the execution of everything that's been building up and i think this match was a great representation of that started out very emotional very very fast very hard-hitting and it just kept going kept going and uh ultimately angel garza came out on top and won the cruiserweight championship from leo rush which was uh, i mean it was great to see i mean i i will keep pushing angel garza till the day i die man that dude has it he's gonna carry that cruiserweight division for however long he holds that title and then whether he stays in NXT or he moves on to Raw or SmackDown or whatever, that dude's going to have a lot of success as long as he keeps his head on straight. So, good shit with that Cruiserweight uh, title opening match in NXT. Um, some other highlights of the show you had. So, the Worlds Collide show, I guess, is Royal Rumble Weekend uh, instead of a TakeOver, which I think is pretty cool. I think NXT TakeOvers kind of deserve their own spotlight. Um, and it's a bit of a fatiguing weekend when it's both takeover and a pay-per-view, personally, just in my opinion. Um, but instead, they're going to have a Worlds Collide show at the end of January, and they're kind of slowly building that up with having a, an NXT versus NXT UK match on, on these NXT shows. They had it last week with, I believe it was, uh, who was it? Fuck, I don't even remember. Oh, that's right. It was uh, Cassius Ono versus Matt Riddle. Um, Cassius a part of NXT UK, which if you guys aren't watching NXT UK, I mean, I'll admit I'm a few weeks behind, but Cassius Ono is doing pretty good shit over there. Kind of, he calls himself the the British wrestling genius, which is kind of funny because he's obviously he's not British, but he claims that he's the best British wrestler in the world. It's great heel move, and his matches have been super good over there, and it translated to a great match here with Matt Riddle. I mean, this is like their 80th, 80th match, and Riddle's won every match, but it's fun. Uh, but this week we had Travis Banks versus Jackson Riker, which is like a whatever match. I mean, I'm who cares about Gunner? Do you care about Gunner? I don't care about Gunner. Um, Travis Banks got the win. Travis Banks also is kind of like a whatever guy. He doesn't really have a lot of character, at least that I've seen. It doesn't seem like he's really getting over with the crowd as much as they're trying to trying to push that on him. But it was a, it was a fine match, I guess. It was short. It was good for what it is. And uh, kind of pushed along this NXT versus NXT UK storyline that they're going into into Worlds Collide. Um, and then, obviously, you have the main event: Keith Lee versus Tommaso Ciampa versus Finn Balor. Great match. It was kind of short. It was a little shorter than I would have liked, but still a really good a good sprint of a match. Surprising to see Finn Balor come out on top, and surprising to see him pin. Keith Lee in the middle of the ring. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because the way it happened, it was it was a competitive match and it kind of caught him. It was kind of an out of nowhere finish, so I don't think that hurts Keith Lee at all. I think I, I see a lot of people complaining that Keith Lee had all this momentum and he's not facing Adam Cole next week for the NXT title. But I think you could look at it two ways. You could look at it as a pessimist and say, "Oh, they're not capitalizing on his momentum," or you can look at it as an optimist. And tell yourself, hey, maybe they're building up to something bigger with Keith Lee. Maybe they don't want Keith Lee to challenge for the title on a regular NXT TV episode. Maybe they want him to, to compete for the title on an NXT TakeOver. You know? So, I'm not I'm not upset about it. And Finn Balor versus Adam Cole. You're never going to see me complaining about that match. It's going to be a good good match. And then, uh, interesting heel versus heel dynamic. Kind of interesting to see. I'm kind of interested to see how it's going to turn out. Because... Finn Balor's kind of towed the line. You know, I mean, I can see it isn't really towed the line. He kicked Adam Cole in the fucking face a few weeks ago. But we'll, we'll see how this match goes. We'll see who, how, how, they, how they structure this match. Um, but I'm, I'm all for it. I'm excited to see that next week. And then I'm um, also super pumped to see uh, Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley next week. For the, It's kind of like a mini takeover next week. I think they've built both both title matches very well. Especially the women's one. I think that's a that's like a super match as far as, you know, the women's division. NXT women's division is probably better than any women's division in wrestling, in my opinion. So it's going to be a good week next week. I think AEW's got a, a, a tall mountain to climb if they want to compete with NXT next week. 
I think they had a tall mountain this week as well. Um, and they, they, they did their best. You know, so I guess we can go straight into uh, to AEW this week. Started out with John Moxley. I think I love how they're building John Moxley. He's kind of this untouchable. I believe he's still undefeated, right? Or am I wrong? Pretty sure he's undefeated in AEW. Um, came out again, squashed some other. I don't even know what the guy's fucking name was. I don't even know if they ever said it, but it doesn't really matter. Beat him in like five seconds. John Moxley did. And uh, so Jericho comes out, basically offers Moxley an opportunity to join the inner circle. I don't know, man. I think this kind of deal, I mean, he hands him the shirt. It just seems like a storyline that's been done to death. I mean, in wrestling in general, it's been done to death. But even just in AW specifically, I mean, you had Jericho did this to MJF a few weeks ago, even though it was kind of a a tongue-in-cheek kind of deal. But they also did it with with uh, Brandy Rose, or they're doing it with Brandy Rhodes currently trying to get Chris Statlander to join her little stupid fucking group. Um, I feel like there's been others too recently, but it's just a kind of, I guess I can't hate it. They're obviously building to a Jericho Moxley match in the future. And it seems like they're only doing pay-per-views like once a, once a quarter or so. Cause their, their next pay-per-view isn't until the end of February. So I don't know if Jericho versus Moxley is the title match they have in mind for that, but if it is, they got a they got a lot of time in between now and then, so they got to have a slow build. Um, so I guess it makes sense when you look at it that way. You know, they're gonna have the oh, is Moxley gonna join the the inner circle? Is he not gonna join? Oh, he put the shirt on. He joined. Oh, he hit he hit Jericho with a paradigm shift. Oh my God, he ripped the shirt like that. I, if they do all that. If they do all that cliche shit, then I'm going to be very disappointed. But if they want to be an alternative to WWE, hopefully they'll find a different path to take than that. Um, but, you know, Jericho, Moxley, we've seen it before in WWE, and it was pretty lukewarm. But I think they're, they're, they're two different people now. They're, their characters are built to an extent to where a match between them would mean something. So, that could be something I, I would get excited about. I, I, I'd look forward to that match that they're obviously building towards in the future. So, you had that little deal there. You had Moxley, like, so Jericho gave Moxley the t-shirt, right? And he had it, like, hanging over his shoulder. And then Moxley's, like, looking into the camera. <laughs> like, I think Moxley, like, he's even like, yeah, we, we've seen this storyline before. We know where this is going. So, I thought that was, that was a little funny detail that happened there. Um, and you had, like, the Butcher and the Blade versus Cody and QT Marshall. I don't know who the fuck QT Marshall is, but that dude was over like a rover in this match. And get Cody, you know, Cody does what Cody does. Everybody loves Cody and even Butch and the Blade. Uh, people were kind of confused as to why Allie's all of a sudden like this evil bunny wearing leather. And I'm not too I'm not familiar at all with Butcher and the Blade. Apparently they're pretty big on the independent circuit, but I, lo- I love their look. I think they have a they have a cool unique look, um, and in the ring they 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 seem to be able to go in there as well. So I'm a big butcher in the blade guy nowadays. We'll see where that goes though. I, th- I feel like everything surrounding Cody storyline wise is kind of convoluted, and because you have his wife, he's trying to like separate himself from his wife, but not really. And then you have butcher in the blade, you know, involved with him, and then you have. But again, this is you know similar to Jericho and Moxley. They're obviously building to Cody versus MJF, so you can't they're they're not rushing it because they probably want that on the next pay per view. And I was even further proven with MJF's promo after this match, when he's basically like he, he accepted the challenge from Cody, but it was only if certain stipulations were met. And he said he wasn't going to reveal those stipulations until they're in Jacksonville, which is at least a few weeks away, because I know they're still in Texas next week. Kind of dragging this storyline out, but yeah, that, that could either that could either be good or bad, you know, because long-term storylines are often the best, assuming they have a, have a good payoff. Not just hot-shotted storylines that you see like on Raw and SmackDown a lot. They're kind of like, you know, week to week, we'll see what happens. They, they obviously have a plan with this at least to a certain extent. So 
it's pretty good. It's some good stuff. MGF's obviously a, a tremendous promo in the ring. I think he kind of relies a little too much on like curse words and like I don't know, man. It, it seems like because he's still young in the business, right? So it seems like he has like okay, here's a list of things heels do. Let's just do all of them in like ten seconds. Like there's not a lot of nuance to him. But I guess people react to him, people boo him, people chant asshole at him, and that's really all you can ask for in a heel. So he's as good as a heel as I can think of in wrestling right now. So Cody versus MGF in the future, that whole storyline's pretty good so far. So we'll see how that how that shapes up. Um, what else? What else is on that show? Uh, you had Big Swole debut in a pretty uh, man that that match. I bring this match up. Because I don't want to bring up you know everything on every show, because this this podcast will be ten hours long. But I wanted to highlight this match in particular because of man, it was just such a weird. There was a, such a weird tempo to it. You know what I mean? It was like so the crowd, I should say, I guess they're in Garland, Texas, which is right outside of Dallas. And uh, man, there was a lot of empty seats. I'm sure you guys have seen pictures that people have posted online of how many empty seats were there. Um, even though Cody will tell you they're at an 80, 80% capacity or whatever, but man, it was, it was empty and it was pretty quiet at certain points. Um, and it, it was almost peak quietness during this, this, this women's match between Emmy Sakura and big swole. And dude, I just, I'm not, I'm not super familiar on Emmy Sakura's history, but I, I understand she's, a veteran in the sport and she's done a lot for for wrestling for women's wrestling in japan and elsewhere i understand that but man the whole the whole freddie mercury deal the mustache and the music and her like bringing the mic in the ring during the match and like singing into it during an abdominal stretch like i don't know man it just doesn't work for me um and it was just a weird I don't know. It just it just took the breath. It took the wind out of the match when she like that that one spot. Like I said, you know she, you know she had big swole and a and a hold, but she had to like go grab her mic. Um, and the whole deal with like distracting the ref and all that it was very awkward and slow, and it just didn't work. Hopefully, AEW will figure out their women's division eventually because so far it's been a whole lot of garbage. Um, I mean that's exemplified by brandy rose and her little deal that nobody likes um everyone i mean it's it's, it's some of the most cringeworthy shit dude um but, but but you know it's weird because like brandy's character is like she's confronting that right she's confronting the online backlash she's gotten behind it and she, th- she thinks it's she thinks she's interesting by doing that but she's not she's just kind of confirming what everybody's saying I don't know. Well, we'll see how that ends up. Maybe it'll be one of those things that's like, it's like a car crash. It's, it's so terrible that you have to watch. It's, you know, maybe it'll, maybe we'll find entertainment in that way. But so far the women in AEW aren't doing it. And I don't know. It's not necessarily their fault. It's just kind of how the lack of storylines for anybody outside of Brandy Rose kind of neutered that whole division. It's kind of given them no platform to even work on. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. I guess really other the other big thing on AEW is the main event: Young Bucks versus Pride and Powerful. It's a pretty. It was a fine match, I guess. Apparently, Nick Jackson had the flu like all day. I, th- I think Matt tweeted that like Nick Nick was on the floor like dying basically from a flu, and then went out and had that that pretty good match. So good on Nick if that's true. I mean, I'm sure it is true, but you know what I mean. But, you know, just classic Young Bucks style match. A lot of spots, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of choreographed, you know, high spots and little, little deals there. But, you know, they all worked hard out there, I guess. It's kind of, a, kind of, a, I guess it's the blow off between those two teams. Kind of seems like a weak blow off to me, but who knows? This is a fine match, I guess. But yeah, as far as, as far as, NXT versus AEW this week. I'll definitely have to give the nod to NXT. Um, just overall, from top to bottom, I think it had the the stronger show. With that, I think it's time we move on to the quote unquote main roster shows of uh, WWE Raw and SmackDown. So, man, TLC just like snuck up on me. 
I had no idea it was this Sunday till like a few days ago. Probably because, you know, they didn't announce any matches. So maybe it's not my fault that I didn't know. Um, but yeah, I guess instead of going through Raw and SmackDown individually, because Raw and SmackDown are kind of, you know, they're very skimmable shows for the most part. There's a few highlights there here and there, but I think we'll just kind of dive into TLC and what we're looking at right now. Um, and then kind of go from there. So, so right now, as I'm recording this, there are six matches announced. I'm sure, I'm sure cause I'm recording this before SmackDown tonight. So they may or may not add certain things and they may, they might add some, you know, pre-show matches the day of like they, they typically do. But so far there are six matches announced. Um, I guess we could start with, uh, so new day versus revival. Um, we've seen that match a bunch of times, but I think if they give, you know, appropriate amount of time on this stage, um, New Day and Revival is always going to be a, at least a good match, potentially an amazing match. So for the SmackDown titles, definitely looking forward to that. I, I'm not a big fan of the belts kind of flipping back and forth. I, I think they do that for the sake of increasing the, the amount of reigns that people have with the championship, which is like a huge pet peeve of mine. To me, it just the the number of reigns is just indicative of how many times you've lost the belt. Like, yeah, New Day's they're, they're what seven time tag champions, but okay, they've they've lost it six times. And yeah, granted, they had that one long reign, but tell tell me how instead of saying that they're seven time champions, tell me how many days they've hold the championship. Cause I guarantee you that number is much more impressive. I know Kofi Kingston alone, he just passed the thousand day mark of it. You know, like what, well, I don't understand why they aren't pushing that more. That's a much more impressive statistic in my opinion. I say that because I'm kind of hoping revival wins the titles back again, but I also don't want the titles to potato, hot potato back and forth. So who, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm not too invested in who wins that match, but it'll be a great match to watch, no doubt. Um, and on the Raw side of things, on the Raw side of the tag division, you have the Viking Raiders holding an open challenge, which is it's fun. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I have, I have no idea who would who would end up challenging them. I know, I know. I mean, Street Profits probably would have been my guess had they not challenged them on Raw. Um, which was a great match, by the way, if you have an opportunity. That, that was a very good match. They've always had good matches in Raw and NXT. So, um, but yeah, I guess so the Street Profits are effectively not an option anymore. I mean, who, you can have Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. I mean, I, I honestly, I can't, on top of my head, I don't even know who's on Raw as far as tag teams go. I don't think they have a lot of depth over there, so it could be a potential new team. It could be like two singles guys that aren't on TV now. Maybe they'll they'll pair them together and create a new team, or maybe it'll just be like a team from NXT or or whoever. So I'll always love a good open challenge. It's nice to have that unpredictability to it. Uh, let's see here. You have a tables match between Rusev and Lana. I'm sorry, not between Rusev and Lana. I wish it was between Rusev and Lana. Um, a tables match between Lashley and Rusev. I don't know, I guess this is a blow is this the blow off to this match? Probably not. They're probably gonna keep going this for a few months. Um I guess I guess it's a tables match because Rusev put Lashley through a a conference table on Raw, I suppose. I guess that's the build to this. It feels like this is such a blood feud. It's weird that you have a match where the winner just has to go through a table. I don't know. I feel like this warrants a TLC match more than other matches on the card, but it'll be fine, I guess. This whole storyline's fun. I mean, it's 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 stupid at times, but people people long for that Attitude Era style storyline that they had back then, and I think this kind of is along that same line. So. It's 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 just, it's dumb fun to watch, you know. You can have your wrestling on the on the show, but every once in a while, you just want some levity and you want some ridiculous storylines like this. So as long as they don't drag it on too long, but we'll see. So yeah, Lashley Rusev tables match, Nito Burrito, um, and then Bray Wyatt versus The Miz for the Universal Title, not The Fiend versus The Miz, but Bray Wyatt. Which is a interesting little dynamic that they threw in there. Um, so yeah, it's 
I'm looking forward to how they handle Bray Wyatt, like just Bray Wyatt the man as a just a straight up wrestler in the ring. You know, is he gonna wrestle in that sweater, that red sweater he has? I hope so, because you know, Miz versus the Fiend. I think that's kind of initially what people were thinking they were going towards with this, and I don't see how that would end up being anything other than just a squash match. But you had you had the fact that it's just Bray Wyatt. I mean, maybe that that adds a sense of vulnerability to his character. That adds a sense of oh, hey, maybe Miz can take advantage of him while he's while he's at his weakest state. You know, he's not the the untouchable fiend. He's not the indestructible fiend. He's just a guy in a red sweater vest and khakis. So, I mean, that's that adds an interesting element to the match, and it gives me a reason to be interested in it. So, it looks looks like a good thing that they'll do. Um, I think Miz just, I don't think he gets enough credit for his ability to incorporate emotion into storylines. They threw in the fact that Bray Wyatt was kind of, he was bringing up Miz's family. He was saying that basically he's going to take over his family, which is kind of a a cool thing to do. And it it creates a, you know, something for Miz to really garner emotion towards. And it creates a a strong storyline for this match in my opinion you add in the the daniel bryan element to it you know the connection that miz and bryan have and obviously the history that bryan and wyatt have i think you have a really cool kind of web of story here and that they could go in a a bunch of different directions and i think that's a kind of a, a story that could take us maybe even to wrestlemania honestly um or at least till roman inevitably wins the title from the Fiend at WrestleMania. Uh, so yeah, Miz, Wyatt, TLC, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Then we have, as of right now, we have two TLC matches. The first being uh, a women's tag team championship match with the Kabuki Warriors taking on Charlotte and Becky Lynch. I mean, I'm glad to see that these tag titles are finally getting some spotlight, especially considering that it is Asuka and Kairi Sane that are holding them, who are two of the most talented women on the roster right now. And I love their, their I don't like that their heel turn wasn't really kind of stated. You know, it was kind of just like a gradual. You know, they were they were they were baby faces one week, and then oh, Asuka sprays Miss, so I guess that means that means she's a bad guy. I guess, and it was kind of a question for a few weeks, and then they kind of they have solidified it over the past few weeks that they're heels. But regardless how they got there, they're here now, and uh, I love it. I think they both, you know, these two crazy Japanese chicks who don't who aren't speaking English to us. You know, they're just ranting in Japanese at the camera. I think it's awesome. I think their whole their whole presentation, their music, their their makeup that they that they wear. Um, the style that they have in the ring. I mean, the way that they just beat the shit out of Becky last week on Raw was phenomenal. I'm not a huge fan of Charlotte and Becky teaming, even though they've done you know the best that they can in explaining it. Um, you know, they had Charlotte had a handicap match against the Kabuki Warriors, and then the next week Becky did. So I guess the way they got there is logical. You know, they're not they're not friends. They don't like each other, but they have a common enemy. So I suppose it works, but like hopefully it just doesn't lead to a long-term team between Charlotte and Becky because they, after all the shit they've been through, that just it would just be a spit in the face to long-term storylines, to longevity, to continuancy, continue continuity. It w- it would undermine continuity, and there's a lot of other talented women on the roster that are tag teams that aren't getting any spotlight. I think once I think this this what this does this TLC match what this does is it puts a it puts a spotlight on the women's tag team titles it also gives it a bit of prestige so ideally if the Kabuki Warriors are to defend these titles in a great match then at that point you could have somebody like I don't know the Iconics or somebody like Fire and Desire or maybe Carmella and Dana Brooke or who, you know, whoever it is they they could insert themselves into the tag title picture and it can actually mean something because those titles would have a lot more weight behind them people might not like becky not defending the title at this pay-per-view but at the end of the day we have three different women's championships on the roster and you can't have all of them happening 
in parallel and have them all be effective storylines. So I like the way they're kind of going about it. I just hope they don't go on too long with this because I understand, you know, the whole, the whole premise of it is that Becky wants to collect her debt because Asuka beat her at the Royal Rumble. So she kind of wants revenge for that. But I hope in my mind, I think the Kabuki Warriors need to win this match and I think they need to move on to a, a new team to, to defend those belts against. Um, another TLC match. <clears throat> the other TLC match is Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin. And I know people give Baron Corbin a lot of shit, right? For whatever reason. But he's a great heel. And I don't think you can discount that. I think pe- people boo him, people don't like him. And that's a hard thing to be in today's day and age. Because people love to cheer the bad guys. Because they think it makes them ironic and cool when they do that. But people don't cheer Baron Corbin. People actually hate him. And especially with this King gimmick, it makes him so much more obnoxious. I mean, he doesn't do it as well as like a King Booker or anything like that. He's kind of like, I don't know. It, it seems like he's not really committing to it as much as he should be. But I think he's doing a great job of being just a dickhead. You know, pouring dog food on Roman Reigns as he's handcuffed to the ring post. I think like that kind of shit. It's, it's fine. I mean, it's not like... It's not gonna be something that I look back on a few years from now, like, oh, that was that was some great shit. But it's effective for the for the purpose of this storyline. At the end of the day, it's just another another notch in Roman Reigns' belt on his way to challenge Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. So it doesn't really matter in the end. I think you know Baron Corbin is a lot more capable of having great matches than people give him credit for. Uh, same with Roman Reigns, and I think these two in a TLC match setting be pretty entertaining so um yeah definitely looking forward to that match um i think i said i said earlier there was six matches announced i could be wrong on that i could be just making stuff up or i, I might be just remembering matches as i go along but i think i forgot to mention earlier alistair black versus buddy murphy i don't know how i forgot that because that's literally like the match i'm looking forward to the most i think if these guys get a good amount of time I mean, this could steal the show easily. Both their hard-hitting striking styles. You know, Buddy Murphy's kind of like a like a bootleg Kenny Omega, and then you have Aleister Black, who is, in my opinion, one of the most talented guys on the roster. I think he brings a whole new a whole new style to WWE. You know, no one's doing that that pure kickboxing style, not as well as Aleister Black does, at least. But um, yeah, it should be a hard-hitting match. Should be hella entertaining. I just hope that they do whoever wins you know however this match ends up i hope they capitalize on it because wrestling for the sake of wrestling is fine but you're not you're not connecting it you're not connecting them to the audience i don't think either of these two guys are really particularly connected to the audience you have buddy murphy coming out and squashing r-true they're squashing fucking matt hardy and then you have Aleister Black pretty much doing the same thing with Tozawa this past week or whoever he's facing. So we're not getting a lot of reason to care about these two, which is unfortunate. But I hope this match is a barn burner and I hope they can capitalize on it. Maybe they have more matches down the future. Maybe they expand on the storyline that they got right now. Because at this point, I think the extent of the storyline is that Buddy Murphy knocked on Aleister Black's door. And I think that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much the end of it. So hopefully they expand on that, and hopefully they do a better job of building these, building their personas on screen, and uh, giving us reason to care about it. Because as of right now, there's not a lot. That being said, it's gonna be a great match. Uh, physically, I just hope it's not a dead crowd that they're performing in front of. And I believe that is all that is officially announced as of right now. Um, you have the you have the Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins storyline. I don't know if they are actually gonna have a match on TLC or if they're going to save that for a later date. But if that gets added, I mean, obviously that would be a good match. You know, as far as, you know, Seth Rollins goes, I loved his heel turn on Raw. Um, well, I loved most of it. Um, <laughs> okay, like, like his promo was good. I think it came from a point of, from a, from a, a point of reality within Seth Rollins. I think he does feel kind of disrespected that you know he's putting his body on the line week in week out he's really trying his hardest every time he he gets on that ring and then people just kind of shit on him which you know is a bit unfair but i think seth hasn't really given us much of a reason to cheer him lately 
but whatever that is i think you know seth's promo was great you know when it comes when when people get a mic in their hand and they get a chance to vent their real feelings i think that's the stuff that's the most compelling to me you know whether it's seth or whether it's cm punk's pipe bomb or whether it's joey styles leaving the commentary booth and just shitting on everybody it's always been that stuff's always been the best as far as as far as promos go as far as characters go when it comes from a point of reality when it comes from what's actual legitimate frustration that translates into great storylines and that translates into compelling characters so loved what seth did as far as his promo goes but the goddamn like shit him being in a computer chair in the back of a van wearing like a like all black clothes with it with a hood up hunched over you know here you have aop beating the shit out of kevin owens kevin owens is down he's beaten the camera pans over to this dark mysterious figure in the van in the computer chair the office max computer chair in the back of a mysterious van and then the figure that's sitting in the chair awkwardly tiptoes around because it's a very confined space and it's hard to spin a chair in that, that kind of environment and he just slowly looks up and so dark and mysteriously unveils his hood my god it's Seth Rollins and that he said a fucking dumb look on Seth's face I don't know, man. It was kind of corny to me. <laughs> kind of corny as an understatement. But, you know, the follow-through was good. And hopefully it continues to be compelling TV and not just more cornball shit like that. Overall, it was good. But that that stupid reveal in the van almost ruined the whole thing for me. But, yeah, I don't know if they'll, if Seth and Kevin will have a, a match on TLC. But they're, they're obviously building to that in the future. Uh, Kevin Owens has a, a, a ton of momentum behind him. I think he's pretty much where Seth was this time last year, where everybody was, where he was like the golden boy. Seth was. Everybody loved it. You know, he was having great match after great match every single week. And I think Kevin's kind of in that in that spot now. I think everybody loves Kevin Owens. I think he's finally got this this babyface turn that he deserves because I think everybody, I think he's just an entertaining guy. You know, he's obviously great as a heel, but I think that that had run his course for the time being. I think it's good for a hiatus for that part of his character. I think he's just a, a likable, he's a relatable guy. You know, I don't like to compare him to Stone Cold. I don't like to compare anybody to Stone Cold. But in terms of just being a relatable character, Kevin, Kevin Owens has that. And uh, I think that's going to translate into people really getting behind him. And I think going into WrestleMania season, I think you'll see Kevin Owens high up the car. Maybe not challenging for the title, but maybe. You know, I, I could see Kevin Owens winning the Royal Rumble and challenging Brock Lesnar. I think that'd be some good shit. I'd rather see that than Brock Lesnar versus Tyson Fury or whatever they plan on doing. Plans change. You know, they might have a plan today, but tomorrow could be completely different. I think if Kevin Owens keeps up his momentum that he has now, I think they'll have, you know, just like Kofi last year, I think they'll have no other choice but to, to cater their plans towards what's successful and what's successful is Kevin Owens and how people are getting behind him. So yeah, TLC, kind of a sleeper pay-per-view in my opinion. I think it's going to exceed a lot of expectations people have um, for it, especially considering matches weren't announced till like a week before. Um, but I think it's going to be a great show. I'm excited for it. I'm definitely going to be tuning in. Um, and I'll be back on here, hopefully, uh, shortly afterwards to give my reaction to it. Uh, so yeah, I think that pretty much covers it for this week. You know, NXT, AEW, both good shows. Pretty much good shows all around the all around the horn. Um, and then obviously building up the TLC. So yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens this Sunday. Um, and I'll be on shortly after to give my takes on it. Stay tuned. Um, I'll wrap this podcast up now. However, TLC is not the only pay-per-view this weekend. I don't know if you guys have been following the NWA power. But their first pay-per-view is this Saturday in Atlanta, in, the, in that studio at 6.05, just like the old days. NWA Into the Fire It's a pay-per-view this Saturday. And that is something that I will definitely be watching. And that is definitely something that I'm interested in. So stay tuned for more on that. 
Um, so yeah, with that, uh, just a quick thing before I wrap this up. I just want to thank everybody for um, you know giving this podcast some love, giving it some listens last week. I know last week was kind of like an introduction pilot type episode. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, definitely go back and give it a gander. Kind of go over my thoughts on the state of wrestling today. I go over you know my thoughts on the Wednesday Night War, quote unquote. And just an overview of wrestling, an overview of where I want to take this podcast, because I don't want this to be just a a typical WWE, AEW podcast. I want to have, you know, I want to take time and take looks at things like NWA, like I mentioned, or things like Impact, or things like Japan, or things like Lucha Libre, things like MLW, Evolve, things like that. So, um, yeah, thank you for all the support on the first podcast. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, follow me. Uh, this podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. So yes, please follow, subscribe, comment on all on any of those platforms wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, also give me a make sure to follow me on Hardest Part of the Ring on Instagram and Apron Bump on Twitter. Um, so yeah, how did I uh, how did I end the podcast last week? I totally forget. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I got, I, got, I got a lot of compliments on how I ended the podcast last week. Believe me, it was a hit. It was a hit. Don't just get hard. Stay hard. <laughs>